Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall or Blue Sky Braden Gall as well. Uh, my name is Steve Cavendish. You can find me on X, Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, uh, at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, uh, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All those things help people find us. But uh, most importantly, just tell somebody that you know that you listen to Lamestream and they should too. Trey Wallace is our guest today from OutKick, of course, spent some time in Nashville covering college football, Knoxville covering college football, Mobile, Alabama is where he's from covering college football. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl and the impact on Mobile. We're going to talk about the University of Tennessee and the NCAA and what you have to know these days to cover uh, college athletics, but we're going to focus on Tennessee and I'm going to give you guys, all you Tennessee fans, I'm going to tell you exactly the only thing you need to know before the interview. So just sit tight for that. We'll also talk about sort of the national landscape of college football and how it's changed and, and his career as well. So really fun talking to Trey. I've Super always, interesting guy. Yeah. I, I've always enjoyed his work. Great dude. And uh, appreciate the work that he does. So look forward to that. There's a brand new major. There's lots of stuff happening in the news. this These last couple of weeks, Steve, there's the massive layoffs across newsrooms all across the country. You have social media going in front of Congress and ironically only creating moments that are good for social media. Um, <laughs> but but they're also we also had a, a governor in our state give a speech that where he's talking about potential protection for child uh, safety laws around social media. So maybe we get to that. And some really big news with ESPN, Fox, and uh, Warner coming together for a direct-to-consumer streaming service as well. So lots of interesting they're, stuff to get to. They're uh, coming for your wallet. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they, are. they call it a, like a, what do they call it? Like a, a, a streamlined bundle? They're streamlining your wallet is what they're doing. <laughs> That's exactly right. They're, they're and, streamlining their way into their portion yeah. of your wallet. And super fun. I love this part of this. We didn't do it on the interview, but the fact that I am a, a, a part-time employee of ESPN and Trey is an employee of Fox. <laughs> Trey and I are now co-workers, I guess. <laughs> so, so that part's super fun. Now, here's what I want to tell you Tennessee people about, because we are brought to you by... Eighth and Roast. Eighth and Roast, proud sponsor of Lamestream Sports. Also a proud sponsor of Pod Bless Nashville. If you care about national news and politics, make sure you check out that show with myself and Jamie Holland. And on our Monday edition, we broke some news, as we like to do, at the one hour and ten minute mark of the show. <laughs> you know, for the hardcores. One of the people on that show is in, is in media. The other one is not. <laughs> but we said on that show, if you read the Tennessee statute the state law in the state of tennessee 49-7-2802 at the very end of the compensation for use of intercollegiate athlete name image and likeness the very last sentence says to preserve the integrity quality character and amateur nature of intercollegiate athletics and to maintain a clear separation between amateur intercollegiate athletics and professional sports no such compensation must be provided in exchange for athletic performance or attendance at an institution. That is the Tennessee state law, not the NCAA law, not the antitrust lawsuit. That is the Tennessee state law. So if you are a Tennessee fan thinking that you are going to get away with this... <laughs> Well, that is so, the law in the state but, of Tennessee. But here's the thing so, is, is the NCAA can't come after Tennessee for Tennessee state law. The NCAA has to come after them for their regs. And I would like for you to find the district attorney in the state of Tennessee that is going to, that is going to <laughs> prosecute the University of Tennessee for violating Tennessee state law. A law, a law which was put into place to shield the university against against certain they things they should have changed the last and, five words of that statute is what they should and have now and now they 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 want to try to do things differently look we will discuss this with trace so i don't want to give it all away but that piece of code in the tennessee statute is all you need to know about it's, where this thing is headed <laughs> all you wouldn't, you, wouldn't you wouldn't you love for some da to announce that though that would that would be like one of the like best sort of shitstorm press conferences you've seen in a while no the, the point ultimately is the ncaa comes back and says you can't do x y and z tennessee has done x y and z but normally they go back and say because it's legal in our state the problem is it's not legal in the state <laughs> so so again just want to point that out we'll have a longer conversation with trey about what's coming up in the ncaa investigation with tennessee along with a lot of other things but again eighth and rose proud sponsor of both pod bless nashville 
and Lame String Sports. So make sure you check out both those shows. And uh, make sure you go to 8th and Roast. The beans are extraordinary. We had a get-together uh, this past week. A bunch of, pe- bunch of you folks showed up. The breakfast sandwiches are great. But the beans are exquisite, Steve. The beans are exquisite. I'm 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 literally hopping off the uh, hopping off this recording to go to Eighth and Rose to to meet somebody. So and there you go. Charlotte yeah, that's Avenue. my endorsement. <laughs> Charlotte Avenue location located in the airport as well. Located over on West End at Vanderbilt, where I was on Tuesday night, where I saw a Kentucky home game oh. uh, at Memorial Gymnasium. It, <laughs> it was I. I, not a lot I'll, of not a lot of Vandy fans at Memorial Gymnasium right now. Yeah, it was it was really sad actually. Like I love that gym; it's a fun gym, and it was really sad. Uh, also, I'm not sure how long for this world Jerry Stackhouse is. No, uh, no. body language, no bueno on the sideline for Vanderbilt. Anyway, uh, Eighth and Roast they do have a location over there on Vanderbilt, but more importantly, you can get their beans all over the city at grocery stores near you. Pro tip here. They may not be always in the coffee section because a lot of these great grocery stores will put a local section together of local vendors with local products. So if they're not in the coffee section on the with all the with all the big bean, you know, big bean, big coffee. Uh, if you want to buy local, make sure you check out big the local. Make sure you check out the local <laughs> section as well. That is definitely the case at Publix, and I'm I have seen that in select Kroger's. Yes. yes. So you've been to multiple you multiple Kroger's. Is what you're saying. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Buy local. Eighth and Roast doing their part to compete with Big Bean. That's what they're doing here. Uh, so go buy Eighth and Roast beans all over all over the city. So special thanks to them, of course. Uh, support good local business. Here was our conversation. Enough of this nonsense. Here was our conversation with Outkicks college football writer Trey Wallace. Trey Wallace, Outkick, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to see you. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, navigating through a bunch of stuff involving the NCAA and, uh, yeah, enjoying the offseason. Um, we will get not we, as one does. Yes, we will get to uh, the, your future as a lawyer, uh, and a, a, con- a congressional aide, uh, all the other things you now need to be to cover college football in just a second. But let's go back to the very, very beginning. And I want you to sort of give everybody the Cliff Notes version of your career path and how you got to where you are today. You've been on sort of a lot of different levels, mostly around college football, but I want you to sort of take everybody quickly through the the the, the journey you went on from beginning in the workforce and sort of getting to where you are today, covering the sport on a national level. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I started, I, I actually started when I was in high school. I was an intern for Taylor Zarzer, uh, who, you know, <laughs> Sirius XM, uh, he was you know from Mobile. I was from Mobile. I was in high school, um, at Davidson. So I was an intern for him and Neil McCready who covers Ole Miss now. And that was, it felt like ages ago. Um, and at the, and then, you know, after, after high school, um, I, I went to the university of South Alabama and worked, uh, in the athletic department, uh, with John Pelfrey, who was the basketball coach at the time, with Joe Gottfried, I think everybody knows his his kids, um, you know, and so I, that's where I think that's where everything kind of got got started on the path. You know, I did some radio stuff in between there, some senior bowl nonsense and and whatnot, and then you know it, it kind of you know I made the decision, okay, I, I'm going to move to to Nashville, and and once I moved to Nashville, you know, it was. Um, you know, do, doing the radio circuit, but also got a job um, with the readoptional.com. Shout out to, to Ollie Conley, who uh, who still runs that. And and we were, you know, we were we were getting going from a national standpoint, focusing a lot on the SEC. I mean, from where we were and at the, you know, in Nashville at the time, and and you know, gaining sources and whatnot, and working that, and then you know, all of a sudden. You know, ten years ago, it it kind of went boom with the 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 Florida credit card scandal. You know, with Kevin Sumlin being fired, um, our outlet. I just just started, you know, breaking news, and and it and it got to a point where you know it was it was addictive. You know what I mean? Like you get to there, and you're like, you know, it's like okay, this is this is a high that I want to continue. I want to continue, you know, and 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 you know, and working. You know, at the time too, like I was working at Cumulus while I was doing this, and you know, so all of a sudden, you know, after a few years working with Read Optional and and covering from a national standpoint, I was like, you know what, I really, I, I, I really want to 
get on a, on a beat for a while. And, and that's when, um, you know, there was an offer made to, to come over and, and do a radio show in Knoxville while also covering, you know, Tennessee athletics at the same time. It's not that I got tired of, you know, covering the SEC and national on the daily basis. I, I just wanted to try something different and it worked out um, a successful radio show. And then, you know, covering Tennessee on a daily basis, it was the last year of Butch going into Jeremy Pruitt. And it's like the craziest damn time to ever join a beat um, <laughs> because it was such a shit show. And, and it's so, you know, I, I get, you know, from a local standpoint, I'm thrown into the fire. It's like, okay, here you go. This is the teams you're covering. This is the coaches. And it just, and it continued to take off from there. And I, you know, I never moved away from East Tennessee. I, I loved it too much. Like I did the Nashville thing for seven years. I was like, okay, I'm good. Like I, I've still got family there and whatnot, but it, it was just, okay. I'd, I'd done so much in Knoxville. I love the area. Just decided to stay. Brayden, you've been here. You, you, you kind of get it. Um, but that's when, you know, that's when things kind of started to change a little bit. After the the numerous stories that were that were broken at Tennessee and whatnot, it was an opportunity was risen. Okay, you want to get back to on the national level or the SEC level, um, covering them as a whole. And and that's when the outkick um opportunity came with Fox. And, you know, I, I thought about it long and hard. I was like, you know, do I really want to get away from what I established over the four years, five years that I was in Knoxville to go back to covering the SEC and, and, and from a, a national standpoint too. But I thought it was the right decision. And, you know, there was um, a little bit of trepidation of of joining, you know, OutKick and, and Fox, just like there is with any other company, um, because you don't, you don't technically know what you're going into. And I joined OutKick when there was a transition of so-called power. Uh, when Clay Travis, you know, sold Outkick to Fox, and 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 Clay still has such a a meaningful position within the company, but it went from Clay running it, and you know how he did it, living in the Nashville area, to all of a sudden now Fox Corp is running this, and you've got you know Fox Sports involved as well, and you know you're you're taking um, taking notes and roles and, and jobs for people in New York city. You know what I mean? Compared to folks that know every day what's going on, you know, in college football and college basketball and baseball. So there was a little bit of um, <laughs> an interesting transition period uh, from that point, but it's been, you know, it's been nonstop since then. I mean, I first came aboard to cover the entire Southeastern conference. And then that's when they made the decision, Hey, look, like, you know, you, you've done this, let's put you on the national landscape in terms of, we want you to go cover USC and we want you to go cover Ohio state and Michigan. And that's when it kind of clicked in my eye. It's like, okay, if I'm going to stay with the company, let's, let's do this at a different level. Now we got to get outside of the sec because, you know, I know what outkick was branded on and what clay did a great job um, of, of being that Southern type of thing. And, and I still think that that hits to this day, but being able to branch out and, and being able to, you know, cover Dion twice this year, go out to Colorado or USC or, or cover Ohio state, Michigan. Like that was something I was always going to do. It just depended on which company I was going to do it with. And I think, you know, that was the big thing too, is in, in the negotiating period, it's like, you know, who do you want to do this with? And and I, I'm the type of guy that if I put in this much effort, if I'm establishing a company in different aspects that they weren't in beforehand, you know, getting in the door at certain places, I want to kind of see it through. So that's why I ended up, you know, re-signing uh, with OutKick when I did this past summer. Um, but, you know, you never know what the future holds. This business changes so much on a daily basis. Um, but right now, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying the ride and in, in being able to cover different stories outside of the big SEC, I think has been tremendous for what I'm trying to do. Um, but also, you know, it's building up sources around the country. And I think that's the biggest thing, too. And and also understanding, you know, that that our our media landscape is so saturated right now, like in Knoxville, you know, when I was covering the Tennessee beat. 
I'm sitting here, you know, and there's 30 other different people in a press conference, <laughs> you know, compared to some schools where there's five or eight people in a press conference, you know, so it was almost as if I was already doing it in Knoxville. And then, you know, just, just career transitions and, and how I want to go about it, Braden. That's how it played out. What do you think the, the national college football beat is now? Because it, it, cause it used to be, it was like, gonna gonna go to go to these games tell the tell the story of these games tell the story of these players and coaches but now i mean i, I mean i look at what I, I look at like just what you've written here in the last week and i know we're i know we're in the off season uh but 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 i look at like just what you've been writing about here recently and it is it is such a different thing than than just sort of the focus on what's on the field what, what do you what do you what do you think it what is what is everything that kind of encompasses your gig now? I mean, that's what that's what my biggest takeaway is. I, I did something different this year um, in covering college football than in years past because anybody, you know, and I and I don't mean this in a rude way, but a lot of national stuff and local stuff is to okay, well, who threw for three touchdowns and how many yards did they throw for after the game? Okay, let's write that up and let's get it out. I tried to do things differently this year. I, I went in, I tested it out last year a little bit, and it worked. Um, I covered a lot of games this year from the field. I wanted to get, you know, and I, I did a lot of photography and whatnot as well, but I wanted to get a sense of the environment that I was in, you know, and, and, and I think that was one of the changes that I made that actually worked out um, for the best is, is getting away from the everyday story of, you know, recaps, 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 recaps is what, you know, a lot of college sports is based off of, but I wanted to find the stories within the stories, you know, at Colorado, you know, uh, attacking that and, and going to, you know, a marijuana dispensary on a Friday to see how much the economic boom has hit Boulder since Dion's arrived. Um, billions the, of dollars, <laughs> right? Billions of freaking dollars and being able to, you know, you're on the sidelines and there's Kevin Garnett and there's Paul Pierce right now. So I'm trying to tell that story to our viewers and, and to our readers that, Hey, this is also what's going on besides the stuff on the field, because I could write stories every day about Travis Hunter or Shadour or Caleb Williams or whatnot. But, you know, I wanted to give something different. And I think from a national landscape now, I think we're starting to see that. I think you're starting to see, okay, what's the story behind the story? Okay. Jalen Milrow threw for four touchdowns, but man, what went on behind the scenes where it was so shitty, you know, during the Texas game and the USF game that we got to that point where we're at right now with Milro being named, right. you know, the, he was named the official starter. So it's just about, it, it was me taking a gamble and trying to figure out what works for my audience, because I'm, I'm, I'm not two, four, seven. I'm not on three. I'm not Athlon. I'm not all these other you know, entities where you have five different writers on the same beat or the same story and whatnot. So how can I separate myself? Yeah. And that's kind of why I attacked 2023 is I really wanted to do it in a different way. And I, and I think that'll kind of be the, the, the gauge going forward because there's so many stories. I mean, the end, you know, even, you know, with the NCAA going on right now, you know, yeah, I, I'm not writing about national signing day. I'm writing about legislative laws that can change. And so, to answer your question, I, I think the way that I'm trying to do coverage now is bring more to the reader that they could potentially get at, at other places that are just going off a game itself. What, it does make sense. And I'm curious, like I'm going to put all of these sort of like non-football topics into one question. And I want to yeah. know, I want to know what do people still care about? Because I think even as commentators we sort of get into a feeling about like all right I, i'm really tired of talking about x y or z topic and so on but i'm curious if it, it what the reader thinks so if i were to say like playoff expansion conference realignment nil roster management the portal ncaa investigations like all this weird stuff that sort of forms the game but is not the game what what are the things that people are still clicking on reading interested in and and which ones do you think have like run their course that that people are tired of? I, I think the behind the scenes aspect of how like you, you can write a broad piece, 
But in that broad piece, each fan from every school involved, you know, is, is going to want, okay, well, how does this affect us? You know, what does our schedule look like next year? What's, what's the playoffs look like? Do we have a chance now with 12 teams? And I'm just, so like stories like that, like, like actually getting behind the scenes and breaking down how this affects a certain conference, which by then you have readers for different favorite teams out there that want to look and say, okay, well, this is what's going on in the SEC, or this is what's going on in the Big Ten. And I think those type of stories actually with expansion or NCAA rules that are changing and, you know, NIL, you know, the real behind the scenes part of that is something that's been interesting to me is, is talking to players, talking to coaches about how this whole thing has gone down over three years and, and where, you know, like, like I did a story on, you know, when it comes to, you know, what are players first questions when they sit down with an assistant coach used to be, you know, okay, let, what about playing time? What position am I going to be at? You know, how can I go forward here? And how can I get to the NFL now? you talk to assistant coaches and they want to know, okay, well, what did that guy make last year at that position? Um, what can I make when it comes to NIL endorsements? Stuff that these coaches really don't know. If you break it down, they have a ballpark, but they really don't know. And by the way, they can't really talk about it, even though they do talk about it when it comes <laughs> to NCAA rules. So it's more or less, you know, there are certain things that hit, there's certain things that don't like I found the Dion thing. It was very interesting. Deion Sanders comes onto the scene and, and, and everything that happened at TCU last year. And Deion's like the story. You know what I mean? Like, I think in every editorial meeting around the country, if you're covering this from a national level, it's like, okay, what can we get out of Deion? What can we get out of Deion? Let's write about Colorado and, and keep hammering, hammering, hammering that. Like, I remember, you know, after they went out there and got destroyed by Oregon, you know, our plan was to still, okay, we're going to go to Colorado. We're going to cover the USC game when they come to town. And we knocked out two stones. You know, we, we do one bird, two stones. We've got Caleb Williams. And then we, on the other side, we've got Deion Sanders in Colorado. But people were still infatuated. Now, later on the season, as they started losing more and everything started playing out against them and whatnot, like, I, I that's when I had to detour away from Colorado a little bit because people got sick of it for the first eight weeks of the season. Everything was about Deion Sanders. So you have to recognize, okay, the readers are getting tired of hearing about Deion Sanders, especially when they're losing and, and no, and no matter what he says in a press conference, I think people had seen that through the first eight weeks and they're like, okay, we're kind of over it. Like he's saying the same things over and over again. So like that's trying to pivot. Like that's some of the stuff that I saw, and we can tell by numbers and metrics that, okay, this is falling off compared to other stories around college football, you know, and, and whether that be Alabama, you know, people wanted to hate watch Alabama this year because they thought, okay, this was it. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, Saban's going to uh, potentially retire. Like that was the talk during the year. And I kind of gave that a little bit of do, but I was like, okay, Nobody really knew about what Nick Saban was going to do. So you just had to transition. And that was the biggest thing is, is just following the numbers. And, and, and I think that, you know, and I, I hate looking at clicks. Like that's the one thing I don't freaking yeah, do. I like I don't want to see the damn clicks and what a story <laughs> did, because all that's going to do is drive you crazy in the long run, because you got to think, okay, well, what can I do to gain a thousand more clicks well, on this tomorrow. Is there one of those stories though that's off off the off the field? Like is there one of those that just doesn't matter what it is or how it's written? Like it people are obsessed with it. Like is it is it realignment? I mean, is it I mean, it's not like the the minutia of Congress and the in NIL and, and and you know, private equity getting involved in college football. Like I'm assuming it is realignment in the playoff. Like what's the one thing you could write about right now that's off the field? in the off season that, you know, is just going to, it's going to crush scheduling format for next year for these conferences, Yeah, you know, who these teams are going to be playing, you know, who, who's Alabama going to be playing, who's Georgia going to be playing in week two, you know, breaking that down, who they're going on the road for. Like, I think that hits, I think the, the NCAA and NIL stuff, you know, I mean, 
it's every freaking day that you've got either a senator <laughs> or somebody in Washington bringing up, you know, NCAA and wanting to investigate. Hell, it was it was it was Tuesday night at eleven forty five that Oregon, you know, the state of Oregon, sending out press releases because they held a legislative <laughs> hearing on on how to punish the NCAA if they broke rules. So it's just it yeah. it, it I I personally think like if I wanted to right now of a story that I knew would hit, I think two things. I think assistant coaches being worn out in college football. And I wrote about this two years ago. I interviewed T Martin two years ago when he took the Baltimore job on why he took that job. And the biggest thing I took away from it is I'm going to be home at five o'clock or six o'clock every single night. I'm going to be able to enjoy my family life. I'm not going to be at the facility till one o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm not going to have to be on the phone with a 17 year old kid at, at one o'clock in the morning, trying to convince him to come to a school. And so I, I, you know, when I did that story two years ago, I saw that coming. I was like, okay, this, this is happening. So I, I just, I just think stories like that. And I think right now, one of the biggest things that we're seeing is coaches getting out of college football and trying to decipher what that actually means. You mentioned clicks and, and I'm, I'm fascinated in, there, there's a lot of changes, particularly for a digital outlet like yours. Yeah. And kind of like how you acquire audience, because for, you know, if, if you, if we look back over the last 10 years, you know, it, it would have been primarily through social media, but yeah. even, but that is waning. Uh, how do you guys think about stories and audience and, and how you're bringing people to outkick? A lot of it is a lot of it is internal, um, and and a lot of it is okay. Somebody's coming to the site for whatever story, and then all of a sudden, right underneath there, there's a story about Trey Wallace about this going on in college football. Like I, I, I think that if if I were to look at the numbers right now, I would probably say sixty percent of our traffic right now is coming from internal. Um, when it comes wow. to social, when it comes to social media, but it, you know, it, and I say that, but then it depends on the day because you'll have a, a, a social media hit. I think, I think also how Twitter X has changed when it comes to publishing stories and getting out there and links and whatnot, that's also changed where, you know, a lot of it's video, um, compared to written articles. And I think that, you know, it, it's a benefit, I think, for the company. Um, but at the same time, I've got to, you know, the things I have to worry about is, okay, I got to word this social media headline to make sure people click on the article because I want them to know what I'm talking about. But, and it's not like I'm trying to cheat them. I just want to give them, okay, here's your hook. Like, here's why you, you should, should you click want to get them in the door. Right. And, and, and it is. And I think it, it has changed so damn much over the last couple of years that I think that, you know, uh, three years ago, two years ago, I think with where Twitter was at, it's like, OK, you know, it's, it's how many people are you following, you know, and, and are you scrolling by a story that might hit? But then it's also, OK, who's retweeting it? Who's getting it repubbed back out there? And in my case, I want to know that the company is doing what they need to do to make sure that they're promoting my work. Like that's the biggest thing. Like you brought me in to do a job. You brought me in to cover this, promote me, promote the story, promote what we're doing. It's not like I've got, you know, um, uh, 10 different college football writers that I'm working with at the same company. You know, honestly, from a reporter standpoint, it's me and one other person, um, and, and a lot of them, the others, they do a good job, um, but they're also writers, aggregators at the same time. We know how that works. It's just for any company. So to me, it's, it's trying to get it out there, you know, when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to just publishing it, you know, on the website, okay, that's going to do something. But unless that you, you get that out there from a standpoint of X, or Google search is another thing yeah. too that, yeah. that folks are having to rely on. You know, you better hit your keywords, you know, your <laughs> SEO better be green. You know, I mean, like that, like that's another thing that that stands out to me compared to where we were, you know, a few years ago. And I, I just think social media has changed it so much, you know, 
I mean, we went through that time for what about a month where everybody's like, all right, let's post our stuff on threads. Threads is the new thing now. <laughs> Get that shit out there. They don't even like post it when you click post. <laughs> like no, it doesn't no. even it doesn't then, even go up. And then, and then yeah. my favorite my favorite part of that whole thing was Meta going, eh, you know, we're we're just we, we don't really care about news. Right. We, we, we don't. Thank, we don't give a thanks, shit. Thanks for your participation. Thank you for your following. Well, Thank which you is, for your activity. Which, we're not that interested. Which is so ironic, of course, because still the number one place people get their news in this country is is Facebook and Meta. So um, let me let me let me pivot real fast and kind of. And take I can't you. even get down Facebook. Good God, that, that yeah. you know, you, let, you let, just, it, yeah. I'm going to take you in a totally left field here, but you mentioned it earlier. We can come, kind of come back to this, but uh, I'm curious because it just happened down in Mobile, and I I knew. Phil Savage, who was the director of the Senior Bowl for a long time. I worked with him for a number of years. Really great dude. But uh, can you try to explain what the Senior Bowl means to Mobile? Like, uh, you're from the area. Can you try to explain financially? You know, this is an area of the country that is not a booming metropolis. uh, But to have this type of focus where the entire NFL world and kind of the college world, too, to some extent, is completely focused on you guys, like, you know, right in the middle of January. Like, what does it mean to the city? It is, man, it's something that I, I, you know, I started going to when I was three years old. Um, and, and, you know, you start going there for the autographs and if you can get some gloves from a player or a shirt, I'll tell a story here in a minute that about got me arrested. Um, you know, but, but the senior bowl, you know, Ray Wallace the, ripping the clothes off Jamal Lewis almost gets arrested. <laughs> you're kind of close. And I'm going to tell the story too, actually. Uh, so That's awesome. the, the senior bowl, the senior bowl was the event, you know, in mobile along the Gulf coast and for the NFL. And it used to be held at lad people stadium, which is pretty much downtown mobile. Now it's held 13 miles away at the university of South Alabama's campus. So from that standpoint kind of takes away a little bit of the, you know, overall juice in my opinion, because you're so close and everything's going on. And it used to be because also the parties that went on outside the senior bowl made the senior bowl, the tent parties. I mean, it was, you combine Mardi Gras with a football game that's in town. I'm telling you, it it was absolutely phenomenal. I loved it. Every year was senior bowl. Who's throwing the biggest parties? What tent are we going to now the you know, the, the, the NFL world has always descended upon mobile when it comes to senior bowl. Um, You know, either, either it's Jerry Jones in the back of a, a Ruth Chris steakhouse you know, renting out the whole facility, you know, and, and, and tipping $10,000 at the end of the night. And we're all having to break it up and see how much we make. You know, if you, you know, <laughs> it, it was, it was always a secret code. Don't talk about who's in there. Okay. Well, damn, Jerry Jones is in here. You know what I mean? Like all these yeah. other big time head coaches, but from an overall standpoint and economic, you know, it, it was an infusion for mobile for a week because back in the day, man, you would get 40,000 people in the lad stadium. Because you'd bring the best players. First of all, they did it smart. Bring the best players from Alabama and Auburn. Okay, there's your two connections right there. That's how you get people into the stands. Because nobody's really worried about, no offense, nobody's worried about the Oregon quarterback or or the quarterback from Ohio State. You know, you might have four or five fans there from those schools. But I, I think the way that Phil did it at first, I think was phenomenal. I think Phil Savage did a great job of bringing everything together because it felt like you were in the game. Like it felt like, I mean, we used to be able to go on the field after the game, you know, and, and get autographs and players and, and, and it's changed. It's changed from, you know, now that Jim Nagy runs it, he, he real professional manner that he does. And, and I appreciate Jim for everything that he's done um, for the game. But it, at times it also feels like this game is kind of, gotten lost in the city of mobile like it does bring some economic impact to downtown mobile but it doesn't really do much for the rest of mobile like they're gonna book out they're gonna they're they're gonna rent out three hotels down there and you'll make some money when it comes to the bars and you'll make some money because all these gms and coaches are gonna go get hammered at veets you know right across the street from the renaissance hotel and, and, and so, th- and that's how it's made, you know, they throw a parade and whatnot. The counting crows were there this year as a performance. Like I get what they're trying to do, but here's something that did change in my opinion. It turned from NFL reporters covering this event to now, then it turned to college reporters also wanting to get in on this 
because they had access to these players they didn't have in the previous time. I think that's what like I was, you know, I was down at Mobile last week and we had media day and I saw so many of my colleagues in the business that were down there. I'm like, damn, I, I didn't see, you know, you guys weren't here the last four, five, 10, 20 years, but now you're here. You know, 247 has a big presence. On three, you know, Andy Staples was doing a show down there every single day. You know, and what so what I'm getting at is that it's changing. It went from, you know, in my opinion, all NFL to okay, let's get college as well because now we can go report on stories that happened the previous season or talk to these quarterbacks that are still wearing the Oregon Duck helmet. So that part has changed, in my opinion. I, I think that I think they do have a, a long way to go. I, I think that um, I think they went full SEC media day this past year and the previous year, meaning they credentialed everybody and their mother. <laughs> Uh, including the kid that runs, you know, a blog site from his parents' basement. Um, you know, they were down there, and I get why you do that. I I understand it. You never want you never want to go full SEC media day. No, and and that's the thing, bro. It's like they they did, and it it was a cluster. It was a cluster because you're trying to get on the field for ten minutes after practice is over and interview players, but it takes eight minutes just to get on the field because of all the people that are there. So I, I just, you know, in, in one aspect, it's changed for the better. And the other aspect, yeah. there's things they have to work on, but it's such a staple point for the city of Mobile. Um, I don't think anybody else could run it the way that yeah. Mobile does. You have written a, a bunch here in the last week about Tennessee and the NCAA and NIL. Yeah. And, and so, here, so here's what I, here's what I want to know from you. Okay. How should fans uh, think about NCAA rules right now, and and kind of and kind of and kind of what kind of world we're living in? Because, I mean, it seemed like with NIL, we were we're in the wild west anyway, and the the reaction that I saw from a lot of Tennessee fans was. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, we this is this is so on the margins of 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 what the real issues are. How are how are we talking about this in 2024? I the biggest thing to me is they think they're being picked on again. When when the problem is Tennessee, get yeah, out. Yeah, Tennessee fans are being picked on. <laughs> no, well, inferiority, inferiority complex yeah. for Vols right. Nation. Why is the NCAA looking in our shit again? Okay, I'll tell you why. You probably broke some rules back then uh, <laughs> that 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 don't help your situation. Coming off Jeremy Pruitt in that whole saga, um, and the NCAA has always kept an eye on you. Um, and 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 a reason for that is, I don't know. A lot of it is, is Tennessee's fault per se, as like a university. And I'm talking about this current situation, the stuff under Jeremy and Philip yeah. was freaking disaster um but when you had nico's lawyer out there you know kind of showboating and say look at this damn contract i put together i'm going to show it to anybody <laughs> and everybody that i can you know and i'm going to get the press you know that i did this kind of screwed tennessee because we all knew who the contract was for you're not hiding anything um you can say oh it might be nico's contract we don't know for sure though like that, that shit was going on for a year. Like they tried to pull that shit for a year and it was different outlets. Well, you know, it might be Nico, but we're not going to say, yeah. but it's this big one. I think that what has happened with, I think what has happened with Tennessee guys is that they feel like they were already put through the ringer last summer in the previous two or three years, by the way, they let the NCAA into the house. Like they did this. That was, you know their, what I mean? like, that was their plan. <laughs> right. Their plan the whole time was to get the NCAA involved and figure out a way. Okay. Which was smart. It was a smart plan. Actually. It was a perfect plan. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You did it. It worked. I don't think it's over with Jeremy Pruitt, by the way. I think that <laughs> that's going to rise back up. In the Ooh, next like couple it. months, I like it. <laughs> um, from folks that I've spoken with, uh, that man knows that he's not coaching anymore anytime yeah. soon, and he wants his money. And I think 
Um, there's just a hunch of me that says that he's got a lot of evidence on some people at Tennessee that they do not want coming out. Um, uh-huh. so does he know what asparagus yeah. tastes like though? Yeah, I think he probably figured out what asparagus tasted okay. like. Um, uh, it, this it reminds it, it reminds me very much the lawyer you mentioned. It reminds me very much of Hugh Freeze's tweet when he was the coach at Ole Miss, <laughs> where he's like, "If all the if any of you have any evidence of wrongdoing, please send it to this email compliance at ncaa.com. And then we didn't do anything, and then they did, <laughs> right? And then they did, and they were screwed. And that's what oh, it felt like. And that's what it felt like with an ego thing. Like it's like, damn. Okay, I know you're. You know, I know you're new to this, but why are you out here promoting this? You know, which a lot of it could be interpreted in violations. So I, I think that, look, Tennessee fans are worried that the NCAA is going to come back and try to hammer them again. Then you're going to end up in court and you're going to have to fight this for two to three years. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you kind of did this to yourself in a way the collective kind of did this to themselves. Like it didn't help Tennessee. And I'm not saying, you know, the Spire group or whatnot, the vault club doesn't do a good job when it comes to, to NIL and helping athletes. What I am saying is when this first started, they jumped straight into the deep end. And when you jump straight into the deep end, you come back out with a contract for that much money. Uh, you're going to have people that look at you and I don't care. Here's another thing, too. Like, I know the New York Times reported, okay, they used a private jet. I don't care if they use a private jet or not, if they have receipts, that they leased it. I, that doesn't matter to me. It's still the fact you use a private jet from a donor and a booster. You know, so, like, okay, like, you're <laughs> trying to keep the NCAA off your ass, but at the same time, you're leasing jets from owners of the program so where's the line between tra- so when i'm in, in you know tennessee's wanting to put out right now that when folks see the notice of allegations they're going to laugh at the ncaa like that's kind of the thing coming out of the university side okay that's fine you're still gonna get a notice of allegations <laughs> you, 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 they're, they're still going to lay this out in public yep. what they think you committed and how this might affect the program going forward. So I, I think overall, to get back to the whole question, I think covering the story in, in the way that it is right now, I think it's a PR battle trying to be won first off in public. There's a reason why Donnie and Danny White came out so strong last yep. week. Yep. They deflect, went full, deflect, deflect. They went full Bill Barr. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. Yes, they went full Bill Barr. They <laughs> deflect the shit out of this, Okay. <laughs> No collusion, no collusion. Right. right. And and at the same time, we've got an antitrust lawsuit going on against the NCAA. So the NCAA is like, well, damn, you guys are really picking a fight down there. (laughs) And like, you know, do you really want to go through all of this? Because we might lose in the antitrust case. But since you poked the bear again, we're going to come and try to hammer you when it comes to this NIL stuff. So like, that's the type of thing that I think folks are worried about. Um, and then listening to some local radio, you know, while I'm in town, you know, from time to time, like <laughs> that's the thing. And I don't know where this goes. I know Tennessee is probably going to receive an NOA. And I think that mm-hmm. Tennessee is going to try to deflect from it. I think here's another thing too. I don't think Tennessee is going to keep this thing hidden behind some kind of law when it comes to a four-year request. I think when Tennessee receives their NOA, I think it is released within five days of them getting it. They are lifting up the skirt, boys. There's no question. There's no question. Here's my my ultimate prediction, and we'll let you go on this one. Look, they are going to win in the court of public opinion. Correct. Just because. They're going to have the moral high ground, and they're going to absolutely dominate in the court of public opinion, and they are going to lose with the NCAA. And... I, I, the only question I think that matters is does that result in a postseason ban? And if it doesn't result in a postseason ban, I think we're all going to move on from this pretty quickly. I think, I think that's my I, prediction. I, yeah. But I also have to wonder what they try to do with the, the collective as well. I, I don't think, you know, like, like that part kind of, we all saw the Jaden Rashada thing go on, you know, with the, the Gator collective that no longer exists, you know, Eddie Rojas was running that and blah, blah, blah. And they had this kind of separate. There's a look at Florida State. 
you know, they had to disassociate themselves with that booster acting like that booster is still not going to give them money somehow, which is the funniest <laughs> shit ever. But right. I do think that, you know, it might be where Tennessee maybe has to back off a little bit, not yeah. fully with a collective or whatnot, just back off for like five or six months. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Just don't be as public about it. I guess is the best way to put it. It's, it's not that hard to do. Uh, Trey, no, thank you. Not. Thank you. So thank you so much, man. We do appreciate you uh, for coming on and joining us and, uh, and, and enjoy all the, the lawsuits and Congress and private equity and uh, NDAs and <laughs> like go get your law degree and we'll talk to you later, man. Thank you. I'm going to go sit in the courtroom next week in Greenville, Tennessee and listen to the NCAA bitch for four hours. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you man. Thanks guys. <laughs>that was trey wallace of course appreciate his time here on lamestream sports brought to you by eighth and roast eighth and roast uh, uh, i could do that better you want to do that again right, let's three, do that two, again three two one brought to you by eighth and roast brought to you by eighth and, eighth and roast brought to you by eighth and roast yeah. eighth uh, we're, and, eighth and we're roast. still workshopping this thing eighth and roast, roast. Okay. Roast. Uh, they've roast. got a lo- eighth and roast has got a location on Charlotte, which is even more confusing. They also have a location at the airport and over on West End as well. But make sure you buy their beans, ethically sourced, better beans than anybody else's beans, at a grocery store near you. Again, maybe they're not in the coffee section. Maybe they're in the local section. So make sure you check both sections. But they are better beans. Full stop. Better beans. Eighth and roast. Go to eighth and roast. Go go get your eighth and roast. Okay. So appreciate what Trey there. We don't really need to touch on the Tennessee investigation. I think he covered most all of it. Although I think Jer- I think I think we're good there. Yeah, I think Jeremy poking his head back up would be quite interesting if that were to happen through all the course of all of this. Uh, so we've had some huge stories like all across media over the last few weeks. It's been a crazy crazy time. Uh, you've got major layoffs happening at major newsrooms all across the country. I'm gonna get your thoughts on that. Uh, of course, this after major rounds of layoffs for social media and tech companies last year. Those exact same social media and tech companies, of course, were hauled before Congress, which is always hilarious because the only thing you get out of it is bizarro questioning from out-of-touch elected officials who don't exactly know what they're doing. And it just turns into ironically made for social media content, um, as I said earlier. And then more interestingly enough to sports fans, and of course, there is a bill, by the way, that that could be coming in the state of Tennessee to protect children from social media accounts, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll get into that in just a second. But I think what's interesting, the most interesting news is two pieces that I think are tied together, and I don't think it's an accident. So the Big Ten and the SEC announced that they're going to have this advisory group, which to me screams voting rights and control over the sport. Big Ten and SEC coming together, Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey, the two commissioners. But also that happens to be announced like the day before or three days before this major announcement that ESPN... Fox and all of their sports properties, as well as what is uh, Warner, right, with Discovery, which is TNT, Turner, tr- and uh, True TV and TBS, the ones that have the tournament. HBO tournament, Max. HBO yeah. Max, yeah. That they are all working together in a joint venture to deliver a direct-to-consumer streaming platform that is a, a, a third owned by all three of these entities, basically Max... ESPN, Disney, and Fox, Noobs Corp. They're all going to come together, own a third of it. They're going to have equal representation. They're going to have a brand new board that governs this thing. And the price tag I've seen anywhere from like $40 to $50 a month with like some incentive early on to sign up earlier, maybe the reduced price, maybe it's, but it, but people are saying it's at least $30 a month probably. So what's interesting to me is A, the timing of those two news stories that the Big Ten and the SEC are now partners and they're getting along great and uh, are going to control all the money in college football. And the two companies that are mostly responsible for broadcasting all of their games, Fox and ESPN. And oh, by the way, the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's a coincidence that those two stories came out within a few days of each other. But ultimately, is this not a play to come directly at you and me? Because we've cut the cord and we watch all of our sports live on YouTube television. A hundred percent. I mean, one of the one of the big advantages of YouTube TV is that it was able, you were able to cut your cord, but you were essentially able to pick up the best parts of your, of your cable package. And so you have 80, 90 uh, channels plus sports and you're essentially, you're essentially cable without the cable. 
and you, know, you throw in some stuff you throw, you throw in some kind of pieces to it like kind of like unlimited DVR and it's it's a really attractive package and you know they have they have been encroaching kind of in the sports space where they took out DirecTV but by picking up the Sunday ticket package and so they're like intimately uh, tied with the NFL and so I think that YouTube TV and some of the other and, and some of the other streamers but they're the they're they're one of the biggest ones are certainly in the crosshairs of this package because why live sports the single biggest driver to uh, is is the single biggest driver to cable and cable alternatives and once you have a a way to do that and if it was in some way more cost efficient i mean the price on youtube tv has crept up like you would imagine everything creeps up it's up north of 70 bucks now and so people who people who have cut the cord for a couple of different reasons whether it's cost, whether it is convenience, whether it is just not wanting cable in their house anymore and not wanting like the wiring and and whatever, this is this is about to become uh, this is about to become a financial calculation for a lot of different people. I'm curious, outside of like major news events, how many other channels do you watch that aren't like I, what I've learned about my YouTube TV subscription is I don't really watch a whole lot. <laughs> So outside of live sports, I will watch news if there's elections going on, national or local. You know, I'll, I'll watch local news channels, right? I'll watch, but I honestly, it's Sunday ticket, which I have, and all my sports. That's what I have it for, basically. So here's, so here's, here's what I would say is, that, and I think, I think we're, we're somewhat typical of, of the non-sports YouTube TV user in that. You know, we watch channels. I watch the locals on there. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm one of the people that watches local news. Uh, oh, you're the one. Go to news channel. Okay. Go go to Nashville Banner uh, Partner News Channel Five dot com. Uh, <laughs> but they've channel got 5. news. Cha- what is it? Chan- what is it? Channel Five Plus. Like they've got their own digital product. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you could stream it on their app. You you could. It's just it's just easier on YouTube TV. But here, so here's what I would say is, we have X number of shows that we watch. I mean, it might be like 15 like say 15 shows and so like for instance because of that dvr we have entire catalogs of shows what but what so, shows for instance, what, my, what sh- my, my, so my wife my wife for instance enormous parks and rec fan and okay. one of the things that she'll do is she'll put on she'll put on parks and rec in the background while she's doing stuff uh, doing stuff around the house is that not on a streaming service is that not on like amazon or netflix i think it is, but we have, have like you know we have like a, like a bunch of shows just like that that we watch. Like my, my wife and I have watched the entire run of Law and Order, but off of off of our DVR, ne- never never watching okay. it live. But it's on like three or four different channels, and the DVR pulls in from different okay. places. Okay. It's a tremendous aggregator of content that we want, and so it's competitive in that respect. But if you take out the sports piece of it, which uh, I'm not going to lie, is a huge pe- reason why we have YouTube TV. Uh, you know, we we could we could start to think about how do we get that from other places. I mean, uh, the only other th- human that I think I want outside of sports on YouTube television is Steve Kornacki. I think that's it. Yep, that's the only thing I need because like I like I, I watch a lot of South Park. Not ashamed to admit it. Uh, but South Park's like all over the streaming services, so I can get it on Max. I can yep. get it on Paramount. Like if I have all these other services that gives me Parks and Rec and gives me all these other shows, I, I honestly, I this is a it's got to be coming after. Um, now again, it, it for me as a diehard college football fan, uh, it gives me Big Ten Network, ACC Network, SEC Network, and then basically every other thing that carry. It, it wouldn't you know NBC? Where would I get my NBC Notre Dame game or Big Ten game or CBS Big Ten game? What can you get from this bundle? It, it is so, every, so it's what, every every single ESPN and Fox property is what it is. No, no, no. So, so what can you so what can you get on this? You can get the NFL. You can get the NBA. You can't get the Premier League. You can't. You no. you you can't. Uh, you can get the FA Cup. All uh, of the NHL. But, but you can get. Uh, you can get sort of all of the NHL. Uh, well, it's depending on, depend, your depending on what depending on what Amazon does and your VPN situation. No, I could see this being a play to take control of that. That this yeah, is part, could, part of be. this is to we're going to put all of your games into every home. No more blackouts. ESPN Plus is how you. You're going to get the World Cup, but you're not going to get the Olympics. You're going to get the some baseball. 
but not all baseball. It's getting close, though. I mean, you're getting all it's, of the college football that you really want to watch. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, probably all two, of the college basketball that you, that you really want to watch. There's two college yeah. football games I think you would miss, which, again, would be Notre Dame slash NBC Big Ten and the CBS Big Ten Game of the Week. Now, those could be two very important games. But as someone who has Paramount Plus or Peacock Plus, that once you have those two and then you add this one, you've got them all. And then yeah. you, you yeah. take your you, you really take your, you take your seventy five or eighty bucks from YouTube TV. You just you get rid of it. You put that towards a, a five dollar Peacock subscription and a thirty five dollar or forty five dollar this bundle, and all of a sudden you still are saving money and you you still got the apps there. So uh, again, it's more about folks that don't watch sports like you and I. This is probably where we eventually streamlined into this kind of idea. But if you watch a ton of other channels, like you know, again, cooking channels or HD, like. I, I don't know. My wife and I started going back and watching Anthony Bourdain stuff the other day, and it's all on HBO. I can get every single episode of No Reservations and uh, the most recent one that he did, um, starting in like 2013, all on H- on, on, on the, Max. The, the scene, in, the scene in show. Yeah, it's um, on Max. And, and to that, but to that point, I have all of those on my DVR, and so I, and so sometimes I will go back and, and and go through those things, you know, and and dip some. We will dip yeah. in and out of a Max yeah. subscription. It it it. it, it it's going to present some interesting choices for people. What I would, what I would say is I don't think this is the killer that everybody thinks it is, but it certainly has the potential to be popular. And keep in mind, this is also important. Keep in mind that yes, I believe Disney bought out the rest of Comcast's share of Hulu. So I believe it is exclusively owned. So Hulu is a part of this, which could be the way they filter in the, the, the remaining two or three or four things that are live that they don't have. The other question I have is how do I unbundle my Disney Plus, my ESPN Plus, my new this new one I'm going to do? Like I'm going to have to I'm going to have to turn it all off. Like during July 4th weekend or something. <laughs> just turn, <laughs> turn it I'm going to have to unsubscribe to everything. You just get it and it's then pull, pull the plug, reset yeah. and let, and just yeah, let, let the, it all reboot. Hit, hit the reset button. Yeah. Uh okay. Uh, one of the few things I think could be very interesting and bipartisan in the state of Tennessee, Bill Lee said this in his speech this week about uh, basically a child safety act, for lack of a better term. It's kind of working its way through the national conversation as well. All these executives went and, um, you know, Zuckerberg and, you know, Elon and all these knuckleheads went up to to Capitol Hill and got grilled by a bunch of people that don't really know how to use Snapchat, uh, which is hilarious. But I do think there's a, it is very clear and there's a ton of evidence that this is harmful technology for children and we're going to make it harder for children to be on these applications which i think is a good thing even though it makes me sound like an old man but i think that's a big that's a major thing that's happening and then of course all these layoffs and newsrooms all the 20 upwards of twenty thousand media journalism jobs were removed from the economy in the last like six months in this country It, it it is ezra klein said something on one of his most recent episodes on his podcast about the new the new ecosystem. If you're huge, you can be very, very successful. If you're huge, you're Disney, you're Fox, right? You're huge. Or if you're very, very small, <laughs> hypothetically like the National Banner or 440 Media. Hypothetically. You, you can be very successful. He says everything in between is is maybe gone for a while. What do you make so, of that? So I, I, I read that Klein column, and, and I think that it is, I, I think he's broadly right in that respect. But what I would also say is that there is no single the, the, there is no single driver of these layoffs. These layoffs are once you start to poke on them, there there is no there is no narrative that explains them all. I mean, the L.A. Times layoffs uh, are, are are a result of ownership change and growing too fast and turmoil in that newsroom and bitter fighting from years of years of bad leadership. The messenger layoffs are a result of hubris and launching an expensive, uh, showy site with a with a revenue model that is ten years old. They they were depending on social media to in order to kind of yeah. in in order to kind of to, sort of drive them. The Sports Illustrated stuff, completely different situation. Like all of these things, all of these things are are, are different. They are they have several common symptoms social media does not drive news uh it does not drive does, does not drive clicks as much anymore advertising revenue is being consistently pushed down cpms the the kind of the the, the cost measure of of yeah. advertising is being consistently pushed down and programmatic advertising 
is largely ineffective at generating tons of revenue. You're going to see more of that affecting things like Gannett. I mean, let's see what Gannett's Q2 earnings are going to be. My guess is they're going to be in the shitter and they're going to, and you're going to see Gannett layoffs, but that's just me. Well, let me ask you this. If you're a Nashvilleian Mm -hmm. and you care about all the things that we care about, sports, news, the community, but also sports, and you're an SEC fan, but you watch the big major sports and you care about what's going on in Nashville. Is it possible to to survive on a healthy diet that is both I'm watching ESPN broadcasts of Monday night football and college football and college basketball. And I am then surviving on local small independent shops to provide me my community coverage that has now disappeared from the market. Can you survive on that? I, 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 I think you can, honestly. I think you can. So the, and this, some of this was in the Klein piece. Some of this has been in a few other places too. The rev, the revenue model, particularly for local, is going is shifting is shifting largely to a more direct from consumer yep. uh, kind of basis. I mean, at the banner, we're building a membership model that will represent you know somewhere between forty and fifty percent of our revenue when it's when it's fully up and running. That's different from that that is that is significantly different from for profit. Uh, newspaper chains that have relied heavily on advertising revenue for a long time. And it's why places like the New York Times have largely shifted to subscriptions instead of advertising as the base of, uh, as the, as the core of what their revenue is that sustains them. And so when you have, when you have all of these sort of changes, the people that have the relationship with their readers, and, and I mean that in a monetary sense, are the ones that are going to be the most stable. The people that have tried to coast in off the top, whether it's trying to bring in traffic and doing it as a scale play or you know whatever, you know your BuzzFeeds or your world's your messengers of the world. I was going to say BuzzFeed newsroom is gone. <laughs> yeah. All of these sort of things. Yeah. Those are going to be relics of the past. Well, and I nonprofit conglomerations too are part of this, right? Tennessee Lookouts like that. Um, you've got Axios doing this local stuff that sort of is like a small shop, but like tied to a bigger thing. Axios you know, not, is not a nonprofit. No, I know they're not, but uh, I, was, I was, I was, I was lumping you and the lookout together. And the, then I was the next time ask you, shifting. Axios directly asked you for money. No, no, no. I was shifting. I was shifting. I was moving. <laughs> I was moving to the next group. I should have clarified that you sure, sure, and sure. the, you and other nonprofits are in one category. And then there's a, couple, yeah. there's a couple of other groups that are starting, they're trying to do sort of this local thing. Um, and, and honestly, the only one, like, again, you've, you already have independent small media with the Nashville scene, FW Publishing here in the Post. So, like, there is, if you're a Nashvillian, you have to search for it, and we certainly need a lot more of it. But I do think it's getting healthier but, uh, at, the, at the lower independent, smaller scale level. I, 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 do, I, do find, I do find it interesting that the thing that we're talking about in terms of the bundle is the same thing that we're talking about in terms of local media and that, and that, and what's, what's the common denominator there that there's not like the one thing over the top that kind of puts them all together and makes them easy to use. And yeah. you know, whether you're, whether you're streaming and you have 10, 15 different streaming services, or you're getting your local news in like 15 different places, uh, there's not like uh, the, the one thing that used to be there, it, you know, whether it was cable or whether it was the newspaper, those are largely being pulled apart right now. Well, and the and the and the most important one of the most important pieces of all of those entities are are now no longer a part of the process, which is the editor. the The editor is gone from a lot of those yeah. things where they become the gatekeeper of what is good or smart or appropriate or accurate or truthful or whatever, and that part is being removed. And instead, and this to your point about all these all these companies. Popularity is what it was. What is driving things now? It's the likes. You do it for the likes, and I don't think people have yet to realize on a large scale that we don't want most of our culture to be decided by what is popular. <laughs> we we want it to be decided by someone who is an expert on the issue that we're talking about. <laughs> that's how that's how you end up hiring uh, reporters to cover Taylor Swift and Beyonce instead of. Instead of covering you, Metro and the courts and you don't and, go to the frist, else. you don't go to the frist to walk through and look at internet memes that got the most likes. 
You go through because they have expert curators that pick out the things that they believe we as cultural, like people that like culture, want to see. Cultural should not culture should not be flat and popular. It should be curated by experts who are in their field for decades. That's what it should be. Anyway, end of rant. <laughs> that's a good rant. I okay. like that rant. Mona Lisa got all the likes. That's why it's in the. <laughs> that's why it's in the Louvre. Of course, that makes sense. Got all the RTS. All the RTS. <laughs> where 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 can people find you? As I get you off this rant. At Braden Gall on Twitter.com or Blue Sky. Blue Sky open to the public. Is it really open to the public? Hell yeah! Go, go get your Blue Sky. Come on over. I'm over there right now. I'm over there. I'm I'm posting right this second. Come on, <laughs> come on over. I'm gonna. I'm going to go rant about the flattening of culture over on Blue awesome. Sky. Come on. Awesome. Come on, out. Yeah, sign up for that. That's a sales um, pitch. Um, give, 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 them something that, give them something that they want. Eighth, um, and ro- eighth and roast is what you want every single morning. Eighth absolutely. So you can find you at, find you at Braden Gall on, on Blue Sky. Uh, you can find me at Scavendish on Twitter, Blue Sky X, uh, and Instagram. There you have it. Go to Ethan Roast, everybody. Special thanks to Trey Wallace for joining us. The chaos of college football continues. It will never end. It's the gift that keeps on giving. For Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Go to Ethan Roast, everybody. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.